0: Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening.
1: And really through this next series we're going to do for a few weeks is Around the Table. It's all about community. Uh, so not just community here in in God's house where we're serving together, but in your house, community with with your neighbors, your friends, with with people who believe like you, people who don't believe like you, and we as followers of Jesus. There's really three key relationships we're supposed to have, and we talk about relationships here fairly often because relationships are hard, right? And we need to talk about that because for a lot of us, we need to learn and even relearn how to how to live in relationships. Because they're difficult and they're messy and they're annoying. Primarily because people are difficult and messy and annoying. Somebody you know, if no one that you know is annoying, that's probably you're the annoying person to somebody. Uh, So the three key relationships that we focus on as followers of Jesus is first would be intimacy with God. That even, and honestly, even if you don't follow Jesus, even if you're not a believer, your version of God or single or plural, however many gods you have, like everyone, if you have faith, doesn't matter what you have faith in, if there's a God figure in your life, you want to have some kind of relationship, some kind of intimacy. So we as as a gathering of people of Jesus followers, our intimacy with God is focused on growing in our relationship with Jesus and with God. But that's not the only one. The other uh, relationship we want to have, the second one would be to have community with believers, to connect with people who share our beliefs, share our values, and and really learn together with them. Adrian was talking about community groups. Um, That's a space where adults come together and we grow together. We walk through life. We can support each other and help each other through things. We really want to be able to grow in our community with believers. And the third The third type of relationship is really this. That's what we're going to talk about today. It's so important. We really have to get this right. It's that we would have influence with unbelievers. That we would be able to connect with people who don't look like us, don't sound like us, don't believe like us, don't dress like us. That we could go across the street or across the world and connect with people who don't believe, not in a way to manipulate them to believe, but just to build trust with them. Because when I can build trust with people, then I have opportunity to help them. How many of you have been in a situation where someone really wants to help you and they're like the guy in the mall in the kiosk, right? You ever walk by the kiosk? I always put my kids on the inside by the kiosk because they won't try to get the kids. They try to get me. Um, so that's a parent hack for you. It might not be really good, but we do that. Uh, so, but the guy is always trying to help you with your windshield chips. Anybody know that guy or the people trying to help you with this thing or that thing? And you're walking by and you're like, man, like, would you just leave me alone? Like, I don't trust you. Basically, that's what you're saying. I don't trust you. I'm not going to listen to what you have. You probably could help me, but because I don't trust you, there's no way I'm going to slow down enough to hear you out. And what we want to do, as we build relationships, as we build influence with unbelievers, we want people to be able to trust us so we can help them. And it's not that that they're a project for us. It's not that there's some conversion numbers that we're trying to get them to join our cause. It's really foremost that God has loved me. How could I not love other people? especially people who don't believe like me because it's so easy to connect with people who are like us. And relationships are difficult and when you're a kid you think it's honestly it's really easy. Like the great theologian Jerry Seifeld said, um, when you're a kid, when you're a kid, anyone who's outside your front door right now is your friend. Isn't that true? Your neighbor, they're your friend. And like you you're not a grown up, you're not weird. Like even you know, if you're kind of weird, I'm kind of weird too, so you're my friend. If we have anything in common, then we're best friends. You like red? I like red. You like blue Kool-Aid? I like blue Kool-Aid. You like riding bikes? I li- We're best friends. We're going to be best friends forever. You get necklaces and bracelets, and you're all excited about it. And you get the matching tattoo. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. So, so you go through life, though, and it gets more difficult to have friends it gets more difficult too to continue to associate with people and, and as a kid you find all the things you have in common and you you kind of gravitate to, towards those people but kind of as you grow in relationship even some of those relationships you see all the differences you have and really it drives you apart And you get older, and you start to realize, you get to high school, and you're like, okay, well, I don't dress the same as they dress anymore. I don't listen to the same music they listen to anymore. I don't have the same kind of friend values that they have, so we kind of separate. And then you you go to college, and maybe you go to different schools, or you have different majors, or whatever it might be. Like You kind of separate, and then you get into your adult years, and it's, well, you don't vote the same way as I vote, You don't go to the same church that I go to. You don't agree for this thing, or you don't agree for that thing, or you don't have kids, and I have kids, whatever it might be. We find all sorts of ways and reasons to kind of distance ourselves from people. And to be honest, Christianity, the the movement of Jesus, we've kind of done a disservice because we've begun to just associate with people who already believe, people who are already like me. People who look like me, sound like me, believe like me, and we've kind of lost our ability to help people that don't believe. I believe that Jesus, his mission on earth was to save people, to help people with their greatest need. He put it this way, real simply, his mission on earth was to seek and to save the lost. That was his his goal, was he came to find people who needed help. And we, as a movement of Jesus, we need to be about the same thing. But relationships are so hard, right? And especially when you're saying you gotta go talk to people who you're not like. You wanna have a great first impression with people, you wanna connect with them. One thing that Rachel, uh, my wife Rachel, and I, we try to do is we try to connect with people uh, who move into our new our apartment community. Uh, like if they're right in the same areas as we generally, we'll bring them like a plate of cookies. Uh, which is a really easy, good impression. If you have my wife's cookies, you just bring a plate of cookies, knock on the door, hey, here's a plate for you, just welcome to the area. You know, again, in our minds, like we just want to love people and begin the trust building process. Our most recent neighbors who moved in, uh, they moved into the apartment right next to ours. So our apartments are next to each other. And the rooms that uh, kind of are adjacent or connected that we share a wall is is our bedroom and their bedroom. And um, kind of a funny story, one of the first nights that, they moved in. Um, people in one room heard what people in the other room were doing late at night. Um, made it kind of awkward. They were hanging pictures on the wall. Um, what did you guys think that they were doing? Oh, if you all came to our last year's, you just swipe right all about sex. Now you think every week we're going to talk about sex. So um, you're ready for it. But, so, so they're hanging pictures on the wall. It's like 1230 at night. And I'm, I'm not mean when I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm not like a bear, but I'm just like delusional. Uh, even like this past week, um, my wife asked me, we have a newborn, so she's taking care of her, and she asked me, our other kids are crying about something because they lost something or are thirsty or just are being two and four. Um, so my wife says, hey, Justin, can you go check on the girls? And I just look at her and go, well, does Isaiah have the kids all lined up for the game? Which Isaiah is our student pastor who works with students. And she's like, you know what? You just lay back down because you don't, I don't know what you're going to do right now. (laughs) You're going to go in there. Uh, So I'm kind of delusional when I wake up. So I get woken up about 1230 with this knocking on the wall of them hanging pictures on the wall. And I knocked back at them, which that's like a no-no. Like you shouldn't do that. Like they're kind of out of bounds, like hanging stuff on the wall that late at night, knowing like this is a wall my neighbor has. But also like I shouldn't knock back on their wall. That's like double bad. Don't do that. And I look at Rachel and I said, Did I just knock on their wall? And she said yes. I was like, oh no. Cause in my mind I'm thinking, I'm not gonna be able to like connect with these people. They're gonna think I'm a jerk, because I kinda was a jerk. So the next day they come, they knock on our door and they say, Hey, I'm so sorry. This is a really sweet lady. I'm so sorry I didn't mean to keep you guys up. I was hanging at that that I said, no, no, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have knocked on the wall like that. Like, that was totally, I'm so sorry. Like, let me bring you a steak, not a plate of cookies. We'll do something to make this better. Because in my mind, I really want to build good relationships with people, with everybody, but honestly, even to a degree, primarily with people who don't believe. Because what I believe about Jesus, what I believe about God and God's love and Him coming to save us is really good news. And I want to be able to share that with people, not to shove it down their throat and twist their arm into something, to believe something so I can feel better about myself, but because I want to care for those people. And this is the reality is Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, but he also gave us a mission that we should be doing it as well. So Jesus, when he had his, his group of, of followers That were following him, and then he was murdered, and they all ran away, and there was hopelessness, and they were distraught, and like nothing's gonna work, nothing's as it should be. And three days later, Jesus comes back to life, showing everything he said was true. And they're all like, Yeah, 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 like Jesus is awesome. And Jesus keeps appearing and disappearing to them, and they're like, Okay, like what's happening? Jesus finally says, Okay, come meet me on this mountain. And they go and they meet Jesus on the mountain, and Jesus is telling them the final words to his followers, to his friends. These are, these are guys and, and women who have spent a few years with Jesus, has really connected with him, have gone through thick and thin now. Like, man, like, Jesus is here. Like, he wants to tell something really important. So you think if this is the last thing Jesus said to his followers, his closest friends, it's probably pretty important. And it's for all of us as well. If you have your, your CC app, you can go and go to the message notes and you'll see you can follow along there. Or if you have a Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 28. And this is our mission. Like if you're a Jesus follower, this is what we need to be doing. If you're not a Jesus follower, you are so welcome here. We'd love to connect with you, hear your story and learn about you. And even as you're walking through kind of curiosity, investigating faith, we're totally cool with you being here. We love having you here. And you can honestly, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can kind of take it easy and take a pass on a lot of stuff I'm going to talk about. You're welcome to listen and engage with it, but no, this is really, if you're a Jesus follower, this is for us. It's Jesus' final words to his followers and through extension to us. Then Jesus came to them, this is Matthew 28 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Basically, Jesus is the boss. If you can predict your own death and resurrection and do that, you can say something like this. Until then, Jesus is the boss. He said then then he said therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now this if you've been around church for any extended period of time, or you've gone into a a Christian bookstore, or you've been around, like, you've probably seen this passage of Scripture, this reference on just about anything you can put something on, right? We got mugs and T-shirts and blankets. And because it's so familiar doesn't mean that we necessarily understand it, though. Because you can be really familiar with something and not fully understand. So what I want to try to do is, is try to help us, all of us, fully understand it. Because the reason I say I don't know if we understand it is because if you look Honestly, sometimes at our lives, our individual lives, and also as an extension to the churches that are, are kind of here and around us, like, I don't know if we're really doing this. So if you go back to verse 19, this is where Jesus said, hey, I am the boss. I have all authority. And then he says, because I have all authority, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you to go and make disciples. A disciple is just a learner or a follower. And for a lot of, a lot of the years of Christianity, we've been focused on the go. And we got to go. And we got to go on mission trips. And we got to go reach those people. And we need to get into Africa. And we need to get into China. And we need to go. We need to go. We need to go. It's all about going. But that's not the main point of this. If you look in the, the original language, the imperative verb, the bossy verb, if you need a grammar update, like I needed to research this a little bit, be like what's an imperative verb again? The imperative verb, the bossy, the, the meat of this, the, the command part is not go, but it's make. Because reality is, if you're not making the right thing, it doesn't matter where you're going. Just like if you have a student or a child and you told them, hey, go clean your room. If they went to their room and sat down in the room, did they obey you? They went to the right place. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uncle, like I went, I, I go'd, if we can make a word, right? I Like I went and then you say, no, the, the focus was not on going but on what you're supposed to be doing and for us as a gatherer believers we are so excited we are passionate about what we believe God has ahead of us the things the opportunities that we could have we're looking to for new facility and new opportunities to reach people and and to introduce people to Jesus we have all sorts of passion to do that but the reality is it doesn't matter where we're going if we're not doing the right thing And our goal is is not simply to make a weekend experience where we have a huge room full of people. That's not our goal. That was never Jesus' goal. And it wasn't like a go, like you need to get to a certain place and start doing this. It was like as you're going, as you're leaving from this place, there's like common conversation. As you're around people, you're focused on making something. What's the thing that we're going to be making? Disciples. Now, that sounds kind of like a church word for some of you, and you're like, I don't even know what that is. Again, just think follower learner. We have followers, learners, disciples in all areas of life. If you're in athletics and you want to learn how to be a better athlete, you go online, you learn about something. Chances are you will follow someone, a fitness guru or whatever, and you'll follow their instructions. You'll become a disciple of that person to get better. Right? If you have a trouble cooking and you're like, I just need to learn how to cook better. You go to a cooking class, you go online, you watch the Food Network, you do all those things. Why? Because you want to be a follower. You want to learn from somebody. In your business, in your professional career, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, whatever it is, like, all of us are constantly going to places to learn and follow something. And in any of those instances, there's three kinds of disciples. There's three kinds of followers or learners. There's the convinced, but before you can be convinced, you're curious. So there's a curious, so, so like even within our context, we'll talk about the context of, of Scripture, of Jesus, of, of relationship with God. If you're curious. You don't really believe it yet, which is totally fine. But you're like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the whole God thing. I'm trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing. Again, like r- we sincerely mean this. This isn't just like a thing that we say. Like if you're curious, we'd love to connect with you because we'd love to hear your story and walk through this curiosity with you. And share that life with you and build a relationship with you of trust where you can ask your questions. Because Jesus was totally okay with questions and doubts. so we want to be totally okay with questions and doubts. But so you're curious. You don't really believe it. Or you believe it for some people. And honestly, almost every single person is curious about Jesus. Because either he is who he said he is. And he's God. Or he's not who he said he is. And he still had some way had the impact that no one else has had in all of humanity. Think about that, the, the, a guy from a place that we don't even live of a low-income kind of line of work who died in his early 30s, didn't travel more than a couple hundred miles away from his home. Like, somehow that guy has changed a movement or started a movement that's changed the entire world. Like, even if you don't believe, you're probably curious about Jesus. And then from, from being curious, you can go to become convinced that I, I believe things about Jesus. I might not believe everything about Jesus, but I believe things about Jesus. It's like if you said, you know, I'm convinced I need to exercise, I need to eat better, I need to whatever, I'm convinced I need to be a better parent. Like, I can intellectually understand, like, yeah, I need to do that, but I don't necessarily follow through because you're not committed yet. And that's where, for all of us, we wanna be moving to the place where we are committed followers. And this, honestly, this is what all of us really want. We might not put it in words that, hey, I really want to be committed, but we put it in things like, I just really want my life to be different. I really want to change. When you see someone's life, like you'll hear someone share their story about how they changed and how things happened, you go, man, I really want that change. Well, change is a result of commitment. Almost all of us, if you watch athletics or you watch the Olympics or you watch whatever it is, You watch, like, the athletic guys, the swimmers, right? Michael Phelps getting all the medals in the world. You see him. You had a friend of mine who, his, as Michael Phelps was coming up out of the water, they're watching TV, and his wife, who loves him dearly, goes, ooh. You see Michael Phelps, like, completely jacked body. Like, no guy in their right mind is like, I'd hate to have a (laughs) six-pack. Right? But what's the difference between you and Michael Phelps? Or you or that Hulk guy at the gym? It's commitment. It's not that you don't know. Almost every single one of us, even the area of fitness is such an easy illustration for us because almost every single one of us, we know fitness tips and techniques and things like that. We go, yeah, everybody knows that, but like, Few people are committed. Everybody knows, uh, well, not maybe not everybody, most people know what it takes to have a, a healthy relationship, but few people are committed to doing it. Everybody knows what it takes to have a successful career, but few people are committed to doing it. And, and almost all of us want the change, but we're afraid of the commitment. So first of many questions to you about how, kind of figuring this out for you is, like, what's standing in the way between you and committing? Like, there might be a bunch of things, and this is the thing is the commitment is not that you match what I do. The commitment is that you follow Jesus. Because every single one of us, we are different. And I, I'm not Jesus, although I look like portraits of him in our modern culture, right? I'm not Jesus, I'm not his Holy Spirit. You follow them, you listen to them, you embrace what they're teaching you and what they're telling you. I can help maybe, I can point you in the right direction, but really your commitment is between you and him, not between me and you. And that's where we we all want to move in the place of having the life change that's associated with commitment. So now we understand. So we're not just simply to go. We're supposed to be making something. We're supposed to be making committed disciples, committed followers who make committed followers. It does not end with me learning about Jesus. I learn about Jesus and I, I teach somebody else about Jesus. I don't know everything about Jesus, but I'm teaching what I know. And it doesn't end with that person either. That person takes what they know and teaches it to somebody else and teaches it to somebody else. And it keeps going and going. This is the movement of God that we saw happen in the first century. This is what we're supposed to be creating. And this is for every single one of us. Not just church staff, church leadership, missionaries, paid clergy, however you want to put it. It's for every single one of us. If you look at this, this passage, who did Jesus give this command to? He didn't even give it to First Baptist Jerusalem. He didn't give it to First Apostolic Church or whatever. He didn't give it to Holy Mother Mary. It was individual people. People who were uneducated, unqualified, low income, man, they, they just spent time with Jesus and that made them ready. Think about that. You spend time with Jesus, that will make you ready. And this is for every believer. So again, if you're not a believer, that's totally fine. You gotta pass on this. If you are a believer, like, this is for you. And what is it that we believe? And this is where, for a lot of us, even interacting with scriptures, we're going like, it's hard to put it into words. If you have a time where you're saying, it's hard to put this into words, generally going to the Bible is a good place to start to help you with that. So Paul, this guy who's super smart, he was really instrumental in the movement of God in the first century and beyond through his letters that we study, uh, he wrote in a letter to a group of of believers, kind of summarizing what it is, like the central truth to following Jesus. And this is what he said, for what I received, I pass on to you as first importance. Like this is a big deal that Christ, that's Jesus, died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Basically, you want to put it into 10 words. Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. Like, that is the central theme of what we believe. If you believe that, God wants you to join in his mission. And this is something that, that we believe is a gift. It's not that we earn our way back to God. Because if we could earn our way to God, then Jesus didn't have to die for our sins. Jesus died for our sins because that was the way to earn us a way to God's spot. Jesus did all the work so we can receive the gift so if you believe that, God has it in your destiny to make a difference in someone's life, to go and, and make committed followers, to be a committed follower and to make committed followers. So in our gathering, practically, like how do we make this happen? How does this look in our gathering? The way we put it, this isn't not original with us, the way we put it is to invest in and invite. Really simple, invest and invite. meaning you invest in relationships. Meaningful relationships, like real relationships, not projects, like I'm going to try to get that person because their life is a mess and I'm going to fix them. That's not what we're talking about. You go with your neighbors, you go with the people around you, you invest in relationships and when the appropriate time comes, you invite them to something. And the something does not have to be a church thing. You invest in relationships and then you go, hey, we're going to go over for dinner sometime. Hey, we're having, we're having, I do this thing with my church. We have some friends over. You don't have to think, call it your thing from your church. Hey, we're having some friends over for a cookout, and there's some people there, and they can come over. They can meet people, and they can get connected. Maybe you invite them to a Christmas or Easter service or a kids' event like Trunk or Treat coming in a couple of months or a student event. Like You find something easy and appropriate to invite them to. Like our, The Grove is relaunching with a cookout. Like Hey, that's an easy thing. Hey, Tuesday night, you want to come to a cookout? but bunch of young adults are going to be there. We're going to have a good time. Where where you're building relationships with people, where you're the one, like we believe God has put you where you're at for a reason. And when we when we leave it up to the church leadership and the church staff and like some someone else to do the work, like no one's functioning as they should. And for some of us, like the faith that we want to have is not ours. Like, like, I want to be a person of tremendous faith. I want to be a person who loves people really well. I want to be all these things, but it's not happening. I'm not sure why. It might be because you're not doing the right things. And not in a grit your teeth and bear down, I'm just going to really fight to struggle and do this well, but just in a, in a kind and loving way, like, you're passionate about things that you're actually doing. But I love our worship team that comes and leads us in worship. They do an incredible job. And you probably could guess this from the level of of, uh, excellence and precision of what they play. Like, they practice a lot. They're at home practicing. They come on Thursday nights and practice for several hours. They get here super early on Sundays. They practice. They're here all day. And still, they're up here excited and passionate about doing something that they love because they're committed to it. Because they're, they're, they're seeing their lives change and people around them are going, man, like this is, like God is doing something special and I want to commit even more to this. I don't want to step back from this. I want to continue going. So when you're in a time of your faith is struggling and you're like, oh, I just feel like it's dry and things aren't happening, that's not the time to take a step back. It's a time to, to take a step in and say, okay, like, like what do I need to be doing? Not in a, a put on all these things on you and try to carry all these tasks. Like that's not what we're talking about. But again, the commitment between you and Jesus. Ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? What, Like, what like, what am I supposed to do? If you don't know how to read the Bible, come to Next Steps. I'm going to talk to you how to read the Bible and connect with you. Like, how can you know what God wants you to do and just do what God calls you to do? And we believe one thing that God's called us to do is to invest in relationships with people around us. For some of us, like, you're, you're kind of intimidated. You're not sure. Like, this seems really scary and, like, What if someone asks a question that I don't know the answer to? Like, what if someone asks me a Bible question? I'm like, I don't know. Like, Google it. Like, I don't know. Here's the thing that's great. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You just got to know them. You don't have to know all of the stories of Scripture and all the story of God interacting with me. You need to know their story and your story, and you need to build a relationship with them. And you can point at times and you go, I honestly, I'm not even sure if I can really explain this. But like when I was in my lowest point, when things were the hardest and most difficult, somehow there was still hope. So right now you're going through that thing and that's really hard for you. And I'm sorry about that. And like that just, man, like let's just call it what it, what it is and call it what it is. And like, let's just, but I want to walk with you through this because some people walked with me through some really hard, hard times. Where I experience joy and peace. And man, life is just honestly, it's great right now. And I want that for you. And, and I see some things in your life. And I, because I know you, I'm not coming in a judging way or shoving anything in your face. I'm just saying, hey, like, let's build a relationship. And then you bring up something in me. I invite you. Hey, like, I mean, you're not doing anything for, for Thanksgiving. Why don't you come over to my house? And we get to, oh, yeah, well, we, I mean, generally, Christmas, we go, we do Christmas Eve at church. You should totally come. It's a really good experience. You should come. You don't even have to believe it, you just come. You you see, you're building relationships with people. This is where even, I think Paul even did this, and Paul was a brilliant guy, super brilliant. He even had this kind of thing where he he really focused on Jesus and then other stuff. He didn't try to answer everyone's questions about everything all the time. Because if, if you look at scripture, even some people are like, well, what about creation? Did God really create everything or did it evolve? What about the dinosaurs? What about marriage? What about life? What about the, like, and all those things. Like, all those things matter. But if I can explain to you what happened to the dinosaurs and you believe that, but you won't believe what happened to Jesus, one of those is a little bit more important than the other. God's not going to show up to heaven and say, hey, what do you believe about dinosaurs? It's pointing back to Jesus. And this is what Paul said. This is where we see kind of the, the centrality, the focus of the message of Jesus. First Corinthians chapter two, this is what he said. Paul resolved that while I was, he resolved to know nothing while he was with them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead. That was his message. And in verse four, says, my message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of Spirit, the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul had the intellect to be able to persuade people and to reason with people and debate but you say, I'm not going to push that. Because if I push that, I'm afraid that you're going to think your beliefs are kind of grounded in what I'm talking about. Instead, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about the power of God. You don't have to worry about inspiring people or winning them over with your intellect. It doesn't mean you need to be dumb about stuff. But when you say, I'm, I'm worried if I don't know the right things. You focus on knowing people, and honestly, people will forgive you about not knowing the right things. And also, when people get to know you, your life is a demonstration of the power of God. Where you can point to things again and say, like, I can't explain this, and this is really difficult, but if you look back at these things, like the times that should have been most difficult for me, somehow, I don't even know what it is, and this is true of my life, is the things that have been most difficult in some ways have become the most sweetest times in my life. And that might not be true of you. The hardest times might be the hardest times, That just sucks. But when you walk through life with people, when you're focused on building trust with people, that's when you start having people come to you when they need things. That's when you start going to people when they need things. And again, as as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have to follow in his footsteps. Jesus went to people who were marginalized on society, people who he didn't look like, he didn't associate with, nobody wanted to associate with him. He went to them, he found them, and he shared his love and his forgiveness and himself with them. God didn't just send a message, he sent a messenger. He sent Jesus to come and to share with us his life and invite us into that. But what happens is, as as believers, we get focused on building relationships here, in the church. And and pretty soon, after a few years, even when you say, I I came to church, I'm brand new to faith, I'm one of those convinced believers, like I don't have it all figured out, but like I believe in Jesus, I wanna build relationships. Like you focus so much on building relationships inside the church, and pretty soon we don't know anybody who doesn't even go to church. We come so, so insulated from everything around us, so isolated where people, when they look at the church and they go, you talk a lot about love, you talk a lot about hope, you talk a lot about peace, you talk about being welcoming, but like, I don't feel very welcomed by the Christians across the street from me. And honestly, this is where we can do a disservice to Christ. We can do a disservice to the mission when we get so focused on connecting with people who already believe instead of focusing on trust building with people who don't believe, then we get completely lopsided and we have no impact on the world around us or the impact we have is bad. There's a quote from probably about 30 years ago years ago from a guy named Brennan Manning, where he talks about the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. It's not science. It's not horrible situations that they went through. That definitely has a place. But the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So, For for all of us, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. It's not just with what we do on Sunday mornings or with our finances or with sex, or with marriage, or how we treat our kids. We want to follow Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. We want to go and build trust and influence with people who don't believe so we can help them. Like, that is always our goal, because I want to help you. And again, it's not, I'm not twisting your arm to believe what I believe. I'm not shoving it in your face. I'm not judgmental about it. But I'm really just walking through life with you, helping you. And practically, this is where every single one of us can do this. Every one of us can build relationships. There's a couple in our gathering uh, who uh, they have what they call their family dinner on Sunday afternoons where they just invite all their neighbors to come. And they're a family who's, who's moved around a lot through military, being a military family. They've moved around a whole bunch. And uh, they, they said, we just want to have community no matter where we're at. So they just kind of go around. And, and this thing is, they're not like professional Christians. They're not clergy. They're, not, like, they're just like, hey, we're just regular people. And they, they go, they get all their neighbors together and they say, hey, they have a Facebook group and they just post on there, hey, we're having this for this meal on Sunday and their friends start coming. They have games for the kids. It's not a huge production. stuff It's just, hey, we want to have friendships. This is the thing is, is, people want this. You want this. Instead of driving into your garage and closing the door and going inside and sitting there and going on your back porch and acting like nobody lives within mile radius of you. Like, go and be with people. This is the reality, too, is this is also kind of weird, right? Like, if you're not expecting a package from Amazon, if someone knocks on your door, you're looking out your window, like, who's here? I don't want to go into the door. Imagine how different it could be, how quickly you could build meaningful relationships with people. You say, hey, we're just going to cook out. I'm just going to bring the grill. I was talking to a guy earlier this morning. He said, I know a friend. He just brings a grill out to his front yard and they start grilling. They just, hey, just come on over. We don't have to make this a big production because this is the thing is when we have these big planned things, then I can have my life all together. I can make sure the house is clean and the kids behave somewhat, you know, for an hour or two. I can make sure everything is all, you know, picture perfect, Pinterest perfect, however you want to put it. But when I just say, hey, just come and be part of my life, like life is messy, You're going to see the way I interact with my kids. You're going to see me have to apologize to my kids. Not because I'm a great dad, because I'm a bad dad. I did something dumb and I have to go to them and apologize. You're going to see how, man, like dinner didn't work out like we thought it would, so we're going to order pizza. Like that is the normal stuff of life. That is the relationships that we want to build because it builds trust. When I can put up a front and I'm not transparent with you, you're never going to trust me. When you can be authentic, then I'll trust you. And then I'll listen to what you have to say. And this is our whole strategy for reaching the city. It's you. Every single one of us investing in relationships and inviting people to something appropriate, whether it's a, a community group, a cookout, your, your house, a service, inviting them to, to trust and believe Jesus. So, where every single one of us, we have a destiny to see people's lives changed. I really believe this and even if you're here and you're like dude like I I want to believe but I'm not sure if I believe I want to do what you're doing but like like I believe Jesus died for me but I'm really unsure if I should even like step out and reach out because like you don't know my story you don't know my background you don't know what I'm going through right now this is what I had to say Jesus is okay with it I know that because if you look at the verse right before the first passage we started with so if you go back up a verse to Matthew 2817 this is what it says it says that When they saw him, this is Jesus' disciples, Jesus' friends coming, his followers. When they saw him, when they saw him on the mountain, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus didn't distinguish the doubters from the worshipers. He didn't say, okay, you guys over here, you doubted me. You can go find some other religion, find some other thing to go. And you worship me. I love you more than everybody else. I'm just going to have you guys. You guys are my real crew. You guys get out of here. Jesus took everybody said, okay, all of you, like, like whether you doubt or you worship, whether you have faith or you don't have faith, every one of you, like, I want to entrust this mission to you and say, go make disciples. Go connect with people. Go teach them things. And this is the beautiful thing. If you look at the end, it's like, I'm going to be with you. So even when you're unsure about, like, I'm going to the street to my neighbor's house and I'm not sure, like, I'm going to knock on the door. It's going to be weird. I'm going to try to invite them to something. I've lived here for eight years and they... We've never even talked, but it's kind of strange. I'm not like, I have all kinds of doubts. Jesus is there with you in your doubt. And Jesus is okay with it. Jesus will be with you as you are about his work. I'm afraid too. This is where every single one of us, we we have to focus on taking our comfort and putting it to the side and saying, I'm on a mission Forget about the thing that I'm afraid of. Like, yeah, I'm going to walk through that with the help of Jesus, and I'm going to connect with somebody. And imagine with me, if you will, for a minute, your house, your kitchen table, your dining room table, the place you eat your food. I believe God has more for your dining room table than to simply be the place where you eat your food with your family. I really believe that that can be the epicenter of what God wants to do in your community if you just invite people That's why we call this around the table. Not simply inviting them to the church, which people will call God's house, but inviting them to your house to see your laundry that's not quite done yet, to see that you burned something in the oven, to see whatever it might be to say, come in like, yeah, like I know things aren't buttoned up and perfect. I mean, don't start with all the messy stuff because I'll never come back. But like eventually stuff not buttoned up and perfect, but I'm not buttoned up and perfect. And imagine, like, around that table in your house, you can do this. Imagine celebrating with people of the new life that was born. Celebrating the job promotion. Celebrating, well, I got into that school or I graduated. Also, imagine crying with people. Kind when they say that, like, they left and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. When you, you lose the baby and you gather around people and you share that pain with people. When they say, like, we got the diagnosis and it's not good you can't have those relationships with people unless you're investing in those relationships. Because when we have the background of trust, that's the people you go to. Those are the people that you go to for help. And we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have the greatest news. We have the greatest news that that you don't have to earn your way back to God. You don't have to figure out life on your own, that there's a God who loves you and sacrificed himself for you, to bring you back to him. That's insane. That's ridiculous. That's scandalous grace. We have to embrace that. We have to walk with the authority that Jesus gave us to walk with, knowing he's with us. And this is not a, again, it's not a moral majority. It's not an ethics and policies. It's none of that. It's personal and it's individual. I'm gonna go to my neighbor. I'm gonna talk with them. I'm gonna build a relationship with them because I believe what I have is so good. I need to share with them. And when the time is right, I'll share it with them. And if they reject it and they don't have anything to do with it, that's totally fine. Because what I have is so good, I'm going to love them anyways. This so is what we're going to do here as we wrap up, as we close, and this is different than what we typically do. I know something like this, building relationships with people, taking the first step is a, a bold thing, is a difficult thing. And some of us, we need boldness we've done this at every service today. What I'm gonna do in just a second is if you need boldness to go and build relationships, build trust with people who don't believe, I'm gonna ask you to stand in a minute because I wanna pray for you. And I know that might seem intimidating, that might seem scary, but this is a safe place where you can stand. You don't have to stand if you don't want to, but if you wanna stand, you say, I need boldness. I would love to pray with you and pray for you. Would you stand right now if you need boldness? Say, so I wanna build relationships. I wanna stand right now say, I need boldness to do this. Again, you don't have to if you want to. If you're unsure, that's totally fine. Don't stand because other people are standing. This is, I want to pray for you because God is working your life and you say, I, I need this. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. God, thank you for coming and doing all the work and giving us a free gift. God, we want to take that message. We want to take that gift you've given with, to us and share it with the people around us. I pray for the people standing God, that you would give us boldness, God, that we could go out and build relationships. God, even this week. God, that we would we would have lunch with the coworker. God, we would stop putting off uh, connecting with our neighbors. That we'd be able to go first and take this step in a bold way to begin building relationships. God, building trust with people who who may or may not believe with you. You can be seated as we continue in the attitude of prayer. What I want to. Do is I want to pray for all of us no matter where you find yourself in the discipleship cycle of a curious disciple of Jesus, a convinced disciple of Jesus, or a committed disciple of Jesus, I want to pray that you would have clarity on taking your next step. Whether that is taking a step of to investigate more, whether it's taking a step to believe for the first time that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to believe Jesus is God. Or maybe it's that I want to be committed, like I'm tired of wanting what I don't have with faith. I wanna be committed and following Jesus. I wanna pray for you. God, thank you so much. God, you are good and you are powerful. God, I pray for the people here who are curious about you. God, people trying to figure things out. I pray that we would be welcoming to them, that they would always feel comfortable here. And God, that they would just be able to have some clarity as they investigate you. God, for people who are are convinced that you are God, convinced that you love them, that you've died for them and rose again, God, I pray that they would move from a place of simply being convinced, God, to really be committed to following you. God, to to know that that when they are not committed, really, they're not gonna have the life change that they desire. And God, for the committed believer here today, God, the, the person who says, I'm all in with Jesus, Jesus is the authority for me, Jesus is my God. I pray that you would give them strength, and boldness and wisdom to continue walking with you and to be about your work, God. I pray that we'd be a church where we don't only grow in community together, God, but we can reach into our community and build relationships. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is... We would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.